I'm Diane Hullett, and you're listening to the Best Life, Best Death podcast. I'm here today with a really interesting guest from Boulder, Colorado, Avani Dilger. Hi, Avani. Hi. Hi, Diane. It's so nice to be here. So Avani runs an organization called Natural Highs with an S. And I think there's just so many interesting connections between highs, addiction, life, death, and best life, best death, all of that, right? For sure, yes. Um, you know, it's it's kind of sad that sometimes death needs to happen to be a wake-up call. For me, that happened when I was a young person. Uh, when I was, was a teen growing up in Germany, uh, two of my friends died in connection with their substance use. And really, for me, as a young person, that was my wake-up call in my life. And my life has never been the same since then, because that really put me on the path to want to understand addiction, drug use, why beautiful people can get so destructive that they go to the, you know, to places where they die. Um, and so really, that set me on my path. And I have not done anything else besides then, since then, uh, besides studying, what is it that is happening in human beings? You know, what are we pursuing if we are using substances or on other unhealthy uh, behaviors that end up in cycles of addiction? And um, how can we help people do that in a way that is, you know, life affirming, that is healthy? And so I started Natural Highs as a nonprofit because I could see that there is now so much information available, cutting edge neuroscience that is really incredible and that could change people's lives. But at this point, it's still a question of privilege and access, like, you know, who can have access to that kind of information? Who can afford to go to grad school and, and learn neuroscience? And so we made it our mission to bring this cutting edge neuroscience to people who otherwise wouldn't have the privilege. And so that's what we do in Natural Highs. We teach the brain chemistry of substances. We teach what is behind uh, why human beings are the way we are and how could we pursue our cravings and desires and our longings? How could we pursue them in a really full, full way, uh, you know, and and be healthy with it and stay in community with that. So that's what we do. But really, it's interesting, you know, the topic that you're uh, dealing with, it's really, it came out of um, really tragic uh, situations. But for me, like, literally, I wouldn't do what I do today without those experiences as a young person. Yeah, that's so powerful. So that these two deaths when you were a young person really propelled you to this work. And and how long have you been doing this? And and why Boulder? And say more about how you your path to getting here. Well, I was working in Germany, right, and pursuing this, uh, uh, really creating an alternative approach to substance use and addiction. You know, and in Germany, all of education is free. So college, grad school, PhD, everything is free. And we just take that for granted. And uh, But I couldn't study more alternative approaches to addiction treatment. And then I received in 1997, I received a grant from the German government to study with the pioneers in somatic psychology. So people really who put psychology for the first time on the base of neuroscience. And so I got the, the privilege to come to 
the U.S., and particularly to Boulder, Colorado, where these pioneers were teaching. And so I immediately, you know, got involved here. I worked here in the local jail. I worked here with people who are in really severe situations with drug use, like life-threatening situations, and do that to, to this day. Um, and I have to say, and I'm sure you had that experience as well, that people who live on the edges uh, are so profound teachers. I often say that everything we do in Natural Highs, we learned from people in the darkest places. Uh, you know, how they experience this battle uh, with drug use and mental health and life and death. And um, and so we learned very, very profound things. So, yeah, I've been doing this for a very long time and it never gets uninteresting. You know, there's always more there's always deeper places to go. Wow. We were talking before we hit record about Avani's podcast, and she said she's got an episode called Wisdom from the Dark Places, which I think is what you were just saying, that there is enormous wisdom from those dark places and those addiction edges. Talk talk about that some. What what how how do we get lessons from those dark places? You know, I think sometimes we have it totally backwards in our culture. We should listen to people who have gone through really challenging things like trauma, like very severe loss, because when people experience these existential issues, they really get into um, dimensions, existential dimensions that I think are really, really important and that sometimes are missing in what this mainstream culture is pursuing, right? The, the whole thing of consumerism and entertainment and media, what we're pursuing leaves people so empty. And I actually see that in young people, that it is often the absence of dealing with death, having experienced, you know, being with somebody who's dying. Um, and I'm not talking, you know, that it has to always be tragedy. It can also just be with a family member to be in that process. I do think that a lot of drug use and going into dangerous situations for young people is actually coming from this real thirst to have existential experiences. So we have noticed that very soon, right? Very soon, because we go into schools and we ask young people, what are you looking for when you do a drug? What are you actually seeking? And I cannot even tell you what young people are saying. It is often to look for what people call altered states of consciousness. But really, when you think about what is this, this is going beyond this boring, safe, mainstream American culture life that is put in front of us and really asking these really important questions like, why am I here? What is this about? Where am I going? And uh, so because we learned that very quickly, we started doing philosophy circles uh, where we put those questions for dialogue, like, what is life? What is death? And I have to tell you, Every time we do a philosophy circle on death, it's the most popular ones. That Those are the ones. Young people want to talk about life and death. And a lot of young people say there is no adult that will relate to them human to human. Young people say 
adults relate to them only in a role, you know, as the role of the parent or the teacher or the counselor. And young people have such a, a thirst for people relating to them human to human so that they could talk about these things. So we have held intergenerational philosophy circles where young people can talk to people all generations, including, uh, you know, elders uh, about these topics. And they're the w- most popular ones. So I do think we need to wake up as a culture and provide these spaces you know, to young people, but really to everybody, because I wonder how much drug use, even in people all ages, is driven by these really powerful existential questions. Wow. I just, I think that's so powerful. It's like we have some kind of stereotype in the mainstream, as you said, that that's sort of, oh, we should shelter our children from that, or she's only 14, she shouldn't necessarily see that or something. And yet, then we see this, this compulsion to see terrifying movies and very dark things on the internet. And people people are drawn to that, but there's a lack of ability to grapple with it at a, at a basic level in the more kind of familiar culture. So that's that makes sense to me that people go places in order to have those experiences and those conversations and those intensities of consciousness that are very human. Yeah, there was an article published in the New York Times a few years ago called The Overprotected Child. And really every parent and really every every adult needs to read this article because it's really about that we have basically disinfected and made the world for our children so safe that they cannot experience life in a really like in depth. And that then, of course, when kids, you know, become teenagers, they have to find these experiences for themselves. And then they do that often in very unhealthy ways, like with drug use, um, with very unhealthy high risk behaviors. And, you know, in other cultures, through all times and all places, cultures offered rites of passages. And if you look at rites of passages, what they actually look like, they are usually bringing a young person to the edge of death with to the experience of like, okay, who am I and who am I when life is not safe? And so, um, you know, anytime we offer experiences like that to to teens in our program, those are the most popular ones, because I think young people are set up to seek that experience, right? To, to, um, to have those experiences in their body, not just in a, you know, uh, in a school discussion, but like in, in reality, right? Oh my gosh, my head is just popping with so many questions. So I want to go back to this Well, first, this question of just so how do you offer that? What do you what does natural highs show kids or show teens or show adults about what's possible? Yeah. And you can imagine, right, in in this culture right now, it's not easy to offer healthy risk activities, uh, right, with all the liabilities and everything that's going on. It's very challenging. So we develop exercises in our program where people can have those experiences in a very safe way. So, for example, we developed an exercise called the blind run, 
where a person, and of course, this is always by choice, where a person gets blindfolded and we're out in some like really big parking lot. And then you have two people who hold your wrists, one person here, one person here. They have open eyes. And then you run, right? And the person in the middle is blindfolded. So you can imagine if, and I think every human being should do this exercise. Every adult should do this exercise. Uh, if you run with bl blindfolded, your brain is literally thinking it's dying, okay? <laughs> because that's our Stone Age brain. And it's a very powerful experience because you get confronted with a lot of fears, definitely stepping out of your comfort zone and really wonderful things. I'm not going to give it away, but really wonderful things happen for people. If you, you know, go towards that edge inside of yourself beyond just wanting to feel comfortable and safe. Um, so that's one of the most popular exercises that we do. And, um, and then young people learn that, you know, our brain chemistry is actually set up for experiences like that. So experiences like that are not just hard or uncomfortable. They also open the door to what we call altered states, where you suddenly have an expanded consciousness. Uh, and that really teaches us that we humans were meant to do these things. We humans were meant to go outside the box. Our whole brain chemistry is set up for that. You know, and now... People are talking so much about using psychedelics in therapy. Uh, we teach you don't need to use psychedelics in therapy because psychedelics are just copying neurotransmitters we naturally have that we're built for. And we have those natural psychedelics inside of our own mind. Why not use them, right? How so do we, we say, those? yeah, yeah you, you don't. You don't need to microdose uh, psychedelics because you have the exactly the originals inside your own brain. We just have to learn, okay, what do I need to do that my own brain chemistry is taking me into those places? Right. Know? I think about like the people who I know who are runners or bikers and like that runner's high that they get. I mean, that's absolutely tapping into those places in our brain. And, and then we've got a culture right now that's pretty sedentary, that's pretty entertainment-based, as you said. Kids are staring at their phones. The pandemic threw kids really under the bus. It's been so difficult. And so I can imagine, I mean, are your workshops, do you do primarily workshops or weekly groups or what's your structure? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we offer a lot of programs for young people. We offer a weekly after-school drop-in program here in Boulder, Colorado that is free, where we do lots of experiential things. Um, and we also work with healthy alternatives to substances, right? So we're looking around for herbs and practices that mobilize your own brain chemistry. Um we also, since the epidemic, we're also doing a lot of online programming. So we're currently offering a monthly free online presentation on cutting edge topics in regards to healthy alternatives to substance use and mental health. And that is really geared towards families. So parents, teens, uh, but really people all ages, uh, any adult that is interested in mental health and neuroscience and healthy alternatives is very welcome to connect. So people can find all of the different programs we offer on our website, naturalhighest.org. 
And then you can sign up for our email invites and then people get all of our offerings. Um, do you find, are, like, do teens, do teens want to come? Do teens hear about this and say, oh, I'm going to sign up? Or, I mean, I can imagine them going, oh, that sounds like a bunch of hooey, you know? Oh, no. I mean, the, our program is run with teens. So we have teens in leadership. We ask teens regularly, what are you most interested in? What would you like to do? And so we put our program on accordingly. And, um, you know, we do activities where we go out in nature in the evening, uh, where we are in wild places, uh, because that's what, like, we ask, what is the desire under using a substance? What is the real desire underneath? And can we create that? Uh, can we offer that? Yeah, no, our programs are very popular. <laughs> That's so amazing. I love that. And go back to this piece you talked about initially, we were talking about the connection between addiction and death and how those two sometimes addiction, death, trauma, how that triad plays out. I mean, I think, you know, think about why people are drawn to change their experience. We know that a lot of drug use comes from trying to manage pain or trauma anxiety. And, and anxiety. Sure. And the thing which, you know, we know now that mostly anxiety, depression are not a mental health disorder that people are born with, but they're actually signs of the freeze response that people go into after severe trauma or grief or loss. And so we're now teaching people that you know, you do not, you're not stuck lifelong with anxiety or depression. It's actually a sign that your nervous system went through overwhelm. And we now understand the neuroscience of that. And we know how to get people out of it. So we're teaching now communities because, you know, we had severe trauma in the Boulder community. We had a mass shooting and then we had a thousand families lose their homes through a fire. And so we had trauma community wide. And so we have been teaching in communities what trauma creates and that really a lot of the symptoms afterwards are not mental health symptoms. They're actually signs that your system has gotten stuck and that there's ways to get out of that. So we use a technique in our program called AccuDetox, which is an acupuncture treatment that is specific to get people through this overwhelm that can be caused from trauma or grief or loss. And people experience that, right? That if you get the right support, and a lot of these supports are actually physical supports, not mental health supports. Not if talking. You, yeah, not talking. But it's talking, if, but where it's stuck in the body. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the moment people understand that, they actually appreciate, you know, there's nothing wrong with them or that they're not just too weak but that we were actually made for going through really hard things and then coming out the other end. And if you come out the other end, you experience a sense of what we call now resilience, That, but that also opens up for, for a lot of people. You know, some people call it a spiritual dimension or some people call it just a deeper appreciation of life. Uh, and I think that's the other issue in our culture that so many people are cut off from because people don't learn that 
you know, psychiatric medications are not the only intervention after trauma uh, or all the things that keep people stuck. If we would help people get through it, they would also have a deeper experience of life that I think would make a lot of people feel much more fulfilled and grateful. Um, now, obviously, we don't want people to go through trauma, but a lot of people do. And, you know, what I work as a trauma therapist um, with people. I do a technique called brain spotting. That is a new form of trauma treatment that came out of EMDR, where we're now teaching people the neuroscience of trauma and how to move through it and not be stuck with symptoms forever. Right, um, right. And a lot of people have that opening of, you know, that there, I always say there's like a pot of gold on the other side of trauma. And I'm sure you know that because anytime who go, somebody goes through a severe experience of loss or trauma, you know, it can really open up different dimensions that we need to help people find, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so struck by that. What you said back at the beginning about just this sense of how mainstream society is empty for a lot of people and teens feel that and they want something bigger. So how do we as adults and the guiders of our society, how do we offer bigger experiences and bigger truths that they can grapple with? So there's so much, right? So many ideas I have about that. And I would say, you know, especially parents, but really any adult, uh, there's a new book that came out called Dopamine Nation by an addiction psychiatrist named Anna Lemke. And you can put it in the in your notes when you, uh, you know, publish that podcast. And what she says is that our whole culture is completely addicted. She said, stop putting addiction on people who use substances, because the truth is, we are all in cycles of severe addiction. So she says, if you use social media, if you shop online, if you uh, eat convenience food, you are in that cycle totally. And totally. there, yeah, and there's so much we can do, and especially as parents. Um, supporting young people, you know, how are we helping young people get out of these cycles? And of course, the first thing is we need to get out of these cycles because young people don't listen to what we say. They watch what we do. And so we need to get out of these cycles. And Anna Lemke, she says to get out of this addiction, you have to stop the shortcuts, the convenient shortcuts to dopamine. You have to earn your pleasures. You have to go back and actually earn your pleasures. You have to grow that garden. You have to harvest your vegetables. You have to cook your vegetables, you know, and then that's the pleasure and joy that is actually um, meaningful to humans. Wow. And it's like our whole current culture is not geared to doing that. And I also would say, if you have a young person in your life, right? I mean, that's what we hear from young people, that no adult is actually relating to them as a human being. So I would say, you know, start these existential questions and dialogues with young people in your life. And you don't have to be a parent. You can be the aunt or the uncle or the just the adult. Uh, start these conversations. And we're actually such fans of these existential questions, we made a card deck 
uh, that is available on our website, you know, where people are like, I don't know what existential questions are. Well, we made a card deck that you can get uh, on in our store that has a lot of these existential questions that young people want to talk about, right? So you can get that and download that. And then you have lots and lots of, ex- uh, you know, examples of how to start a dialogue really with people all age. I love that. It feel, this feels like such a knot to me. Like this is such an interesting knot of issues, right? Because there's my own phone use and staring at my phone. There's my teenager's phone use and staring at their phone and looking for these quick fixes. Then there's these broader levels of addiction. I mean, I'm always struck by, you know, if you're living a, a, a wonderful life of privilege like I have, sometimes you think that things are far from you. And then I think, you know what? I've got addicted severe addicted younger people on both sides of my family. And it's not far. It's just it's just a couple of people away from me that have severe heroin addiction and the and the ripple effect of how that impacts their entire family and all the way out to me, the kind of extra, you know, cousin or in-law or whatever. So we're all grappling with this, whether it's a number of people in our family addicted to severe drugs or whether it's remote, but not so far away. Uh, I love that you're kind of trying to create an alternate track for that. And and I hear you saying like, that really has to start early. And also it's never too late. Totally. And you know, uh, if people are interested in that dimension, in that cultural dimension, I recommend uh, the TED Talk by Gabor Mate. So he is one of the leaders in addiction treatment and addiction research right now, changing the paradigm, how we understand addiction. Because, you know, at some point it was progress to call addiction a disease because the attempt was really to take the stigma away, right? That it's not a moral failure, that it's not a choice. Uh, that was the intention behind calling it an, a, a disease. The problem is it's not true. People are not born as addicts. Uh, there's never been a gene identified that makes somebody an addict. What addiction is, it's a symptom of unresolved trauma that does create physiological changes in the brain. So it's true. It's a physiological situation in the brain, but you're not born with that. Uh, if you didn't have you know, trauma in the womb, um, it is a symptom of something else, really, mostly of trauma. And so Gabor Mate says, we cannot put that on the individual. It is the culture that is perpetuating that. So in his TED Talk, The Power of Addiction and the Addiction to Power, he speaks about that we as a culture have to wake up. You know, we each can do our piece to prevent people having to go to self-medicating with substances, numbing with substances. Um, It's much bigger than the individual, you know, and I do see that, that people pathologize human beings who struggle with drug use or struggle with addictive behaviors or even struggle with mental health symptoms, where he would say, this is not the issue of the individual. It's often the individuals that are more sensitive. And that is consistent in the 25 years that I have been working as a therapist and trauma therapist and substance abuse counselor. It is the sensitive, the sensitive people 
who carry the most symptoms in our culture. And so we have to start owning this as a culture, you know, and start getting creative. And like I said, the good news now is we have so much understanding now in neuroscience that, you know, this is not a hopeless topic. This is, to me, the most inspiring topic that a human being can be engaged with right now is to learn about ourselves, how our brain works, how our emotions work, you know, why we're struggling and what to do about it. I think that's so powerful. And I I love how you kind of talk in a way that makes me think like there are these various intervention points and and how do we shift the much bigger picture of the dopamine nation? I don't know what the answer is, but I think it's a question well worth asking. And as you said, the nature of addiction underneath it is is really this desire for something much, much bigger that we're hardwired for. Yeah. And I don't want anybody to get, you know, to collapse feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of the task. I think what we need to do, each one of us, we need to understand that we need to be the leader. We need to the we need to be the creator. You know, these things are not happening now by themselves. Like if we just go with what's happening, we're going into tighter and tighter cycles of a, of dopamine shortcuts and addiction is not going to go well. Each one of us has to create what we are longing for. You know, so if you long for deeper conversation, you are the one that has to create that deeper conversation. If you are longing for a space of real connection without media, you have to take people out into nature to be away from screens. You have to be the leader. Nobody is going to do it for us. We have to be the ones, okay? And this is how we change culture. This is how we change the culture in our family. This is how we change the culture in our neighborhood, in our community. This is what you have to do, right? We have to change the culture. And then I think we can do it a bit at a time. I love this, Avani. Thank you so, so much for this conversation. I feel like we could easily do part two or part three or part four. It's There's a lot to say. And I think that your website, naturalhighs.org, is probably a good resource for people to begin to look. I know I, for one, will be getting this deck of existential questions. I'm going to break that out at a holiday. <laughs> Well, that's what we designed it for. It's like exactly, you know, it's not that hard. Sometimes we need tools, right, to break the ice. And that's why we made several card decks because we love card decks in our program. And young people made them, right? So uh, it's not that hard. And it's like it's it's going to be step by step. And it's going to be, you know, you create a conversation. And then the person who's part of the conversation is going to be like, oh, my God, I like that. I want to do that. I already know people I want to do that with. And how if we could create these ripple effects of health and you know, intense, wonderful. Yeah. Really talking about connection and engagement. Yeah. I love it. Well, thanks for being a guest. And again, we've been listening to Ivani Dilger of Natural Highs based in Boulder, Colorado, but really available online. And uh, you can find out more about the work she does there. And you can find out more about the work I do at bestlifebestdeath.com. Thanks so much for joining me, Ivani. It was such a pleasure. Yes. Wonderful, right? We Everybody should have conversations like that. Yes. 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 Wonderful. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you. 